welcome back to the Moonshine Jesus Show. I say back because we've taken several weeks off. Uh, and I'm going to jump. Usually I, I wait to jump over to Caleb. But Caleb has been on sabbatical. He took a trip overseas. And Caleb, I just need to say, I am so glad you're back. And I'm so glad that we are back doing the show. How are you feeling? Uh, I'm feeling great. I really have missed spending time with you, Mark, and doing this yeah. show. This is like the highlight of my week, man. I love to do this. I'm glad we're back together. Me too. Me too. And let's go ahead and take care of some housekeeping here. We do want to remind you that we are brought to you by progressivechristianity.org. Uh, one of the best, if not the best, for all of your progressive Christian needs. Go, Please go check them out. And make sure you check us out on our Facebook page, as well as anywhere you get your podcasts. Make sure that you are scheduled to download us each time a new podcast is loaded up. And then finally, and the most important one, is that this is not and never will be a spoiler-free podcast. We plan on spoiling what we talk about as hard as we can figure out how to do it today. It happens to be Gen V, the spinoff from uh, Prime Video's smash hit, The Boys. And we're going to be talking about episodes one through three. But before we get into it, we need to have some drinks to keep us in the right frame of mind for this discussion. Uh, I'm curious, Caleb, what direction yeah. did you go on with your drink? Okay, so there's uh, a scene in the in the third episode, I think, where they're at this party and they're yeah. talking. And uh, I, I went with a conversation between Andre, one of the main characters, and his father. And his father okay. was talking about how after the, the Andre's mother died, how he wanted to drown himself in a bottle of McCollin. So I thought that's I, I think I'm going to drink scotch. And so yeah. I don't have McCollin, but I do have a nice Bowmore here. And that's what I'm drinking. Bowmore Very nice. Scotch. Well, from the same you? from the same uh, scene, mm -hmm. Kate, uh, who is underage, talks to one of her friends and says that she used her force powers to make people do what they want, so she could get a vodka drink. She specifically said mm -hmm. Grey Goose, Grey which Goose. is what yeah. I have here is Grey Goose, and I went ahead and made a uh, lime vodka tonic to enjoy during Ooh. the show. So, in salute to them cheers. and to you, sir. Cheers. Yeah, that'll get me through the show just fine. Mm -hmm. just fine man. Yes. Yeah. All right. Uh, we're going to take a quick drop and we'll uh, come back with you on the other side as we geek out about this show. Hello and welcome back to the Moonshine Jesus Show. We are entering our geek out section. And so we like to geek out a little bit. We are geeks. We are nerds. We like to do this. Uh, and then we move into the theology and the politics of the shows that we're talking about. So if you don't know about Gen V, which you might not, it's brand new. Gen V is an American superhero TV series and a spinoff of The Boys. In it, we find young superheroes or soups that are tested in a battle royale of challenges at Godolkin University or God U, <laughs> and especially their school of crime fighting, which is run by Vought International, the kind of evil corporation that keeps soups in public life. The premise of Boys is, of course, uh, what superheroes 
what if superheroes weren't altruistic? And in fact, what if many of them were actually horrible, horrible people? And so we find <laughs> some of that here too. So Mark, you and I have talked yep. about the boys before. We're both fans of the boys. I'm curious, uh, what did you think about uh, this <clears throat> series? How did it compare with the boys for you? I, I love this series, actually. I mean, we're only three episodes in. I came in not knowing what to think. You know, we're getting a teen drama that's just using the popularity of the boys. And to a degree, we actually are. But I really don't care because of how they handle the rest of the show. First of all, the casting in this is maybe some of the best casting mm -hmm. I've seen in any mm -hmm. recent television show. From top to bottom, each of the main or almost main characters are played superbly by the actors and actresses and they are they just pop to life you feel like you know them immediately uh, they're played with great subtlety they all have perfect uh, drama and co comedic timing it's just uh, i love that but i also love how a teen drama essentially is so layered in the issues that it covers. Mm -hmm. it, 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 it begins with the issues that we see in the boys. And that's just the, the soil, the foundation that it set mm -hmm. in. And then it builds off of it and builds off of it and builds off of it. And, and is already dealing with a lot of very serious issues, particularly issues that impact young adults. So I, I've, I'm thrilled with it so far. Uh, what about you? Yeah, I really liked it. I, I mean, right away. And uh, I maybe like it better than the boys. I really liked it. It was, I mean, mm -hmm. the Rotten Tomato scores of both are really good. This one's higher right mm -hmm. now, but there are only three episodes, of course. Yeah. But I really liked it. I, I especially liked having strong female leads. I mean, we had strong yeah, female characters the in, the, in the boys, but the but the no. strong female leads, and as you mentioned, with such great casting and, and uh, compelling personalities, I think is... Uh, is something that I really appreciated, and it drew me right in, especially as they were talking about uh, some of these really important issues. And yeah. so um, I think maybe that's that's my next question, Mark. Uh, we've mm. talked a lot about superhero shows and movies. You and I are both kind of obsessed with superhero stuff. Mm -hmm. We've also mm -hmm. talked about how there's this narrative about like superhero fatigue, and you've mentioned several times that this has to do with, with writing and storyline and recycling stuff. So one thing that I think the boys and Gen V do pretty well is that they subvert genre, and the writing is really strong. Tell me, Mark, uh, does this is this kind of thing the answer to the superhero fatigue? Well, I first will say you've done it again. Yes! <laughs> yes, our first so, time back! And, and you stole one of my questions right off the bat. That's yes, brilliant. It's it. perfect. The show needed yep. that. I'm so glad that you were able to do it. I'm glad I still have a couple uh, in my in my hip pocket to go. But yes, yeah, so I, I think this show is proof there is no such thing as, as superhero fatigue. Mm -hmm. What there is is superhero formulaic formulaic superhero fatigue. That's what's really going on here. Uh, this, these, both the boys and this show break out of all the formulaic stuff. Um, they, they don't play to the audience. They, they almost dare you to, to uh, be so grossed out or so disturbed or so anything that, that you almost are going to walk away from. They almost dare you to walk away from it. Um, yeah. and, and they deal with real life issues. You know, one of the things I'm seeing over and over again, early on, 
superhero movies, man, one of their brilliant things is one of the things that we love about science fiction and fantasy is that it gets to make commentary on the real world in a way that's a little removed that makes you feel safe to deal with it. And comic, a lot, particularly in the DCU and the MCU, they are getting further away from making commentary. They're trying to play all, all, all the perspectives so that they don't hurt anybody. And I love how unapologetic they are about taking some some issues uh, straight on with with this and being very unapologetic, which makes the characters much more realistic. They make them more identifiable, and it makes us be drawn into them. So, I mean, that's that's what I, I think for sure. Does that sound like a, a reasonable take on it? Oh, I I absolutely agree. I was sitting there uh, watching the show and and think this is proof that if you've got good writing, you've got good casting, you're willing to do something different, you're yeah. willing to to go beyond what the genre is supposed to be and right. actually explore uh, what it can be. Uh, that that actually it's really powerful and engaging uh, mm-hmm. media. And so I, I found myself just super drawn in. And uh, I, I enjoyed this more than any like superhero movie I've seen from, from the DCU or the MCU in a long, long time. And I think that was because they were actually telling a story. There's, I mean, uh, yeah, I've got emotional. Spider-Verse, maybe. I like, I, I, like, I like them. But I mean, this was, but this was good. I mean, it was, That's it fair. was that talking is about fair. some really important stuff. And I really enjoyed watching it. So... As you said, Mark, uh, they almost dare you to, to walk away because of some of the ways that they they tell these right. stories, some of the superpowers that these people have. And some of these superpowers are kind of useless. Some of them are kind of gross. Um, and, uh, you know, like Cricket gets small by puking, by purging, right? right. And that's how she shrinks. Um, yeah. So, Mark, that, that got me wondering... Um, you know, if if you could have any superpower, mm. uh, what what might it be? Uh, because there are these are not traditional superpowers. Right. Uh, were you inspired when you were watching this uh, <laughs> to have to have some kind of a very non traditional kind of superpower? That's interesting. I, I don't I don't know that I that it came to mind immediately. But if you'll answer that question, I'll take a moment <laughs> and think about it. <laughs> Maybe come up with one. I'm assuming maybe it made you think of that. Uh, oh, uh, let's see. I want uh, I want uh, the peace superpower uh, yeah. that uh, that I'll compel people to peace. How about that? I'll, no. I'll go around. This is a very non-traditional superpower. I'm not going to fly. I don't want super strength. I want to call people to peace and reconciliation, and yes. and that's going to be my oh, superpower. Yeah. I'm going to go right. go and be around them, and and whenever I'm around them, it'll it'll drive them towards peace and reconciliation. Well, you and like that? That's a very I, like I love it. I think it's great. Kind of response, and it, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. it is. I yeah. think it's perfect, and it's yeah. and it's yeah. as I was thinking about it, it's very similar to what I would want. I would want the superpower to that in people seeing me doing acts of mm-hmm. love that they are inspired to do acts of love and that they also then get that superpower so that when they do it, other people are inspired by it. I think that would be my superhero power. I I think you've got that superpower. I, <laughs> that's like a superpower we all can have. I love that. Yeah, it's inspiring. Okay. So Mark, there are a lot of strong characters in the show. Oh, yeah. Um, which is your favorite? Uh, there were only three episodes in. Were you drawn yeah. to any in particular? Right now, it's it's Emma Meyer, man. I mm-hmm. really like uh, uh, Little Cricket. Um, mm-hmm. I I I think her 
the actor actress that's doing Lizzie Broadway is absolutely incredible. Has just completely like owned the role. I, I like uh, that she started as looking like it was going to be like a side character that really wasn't all that important. Just kind of was there for the main character to have, have uh, a, a sounding board and that kind of stuff. And that she's become very central and very important. And is is uh, even learning herself what her powers can be like and the potential in them. Um, so I've, I've loved her story arc so much, so a lot already. But I also love the struggle that they've given her. Uh, and uh, I love the way that this actress has formed the role. It's absolutely amazing and compelling. How about you? Yeah. So I was also going to say uh, Emma Meyer. I, I really I, liked her, but uh, but yeah. uh, but that's okay because I think that there are uh, some other really strong absolutely. ones. And uh, I, I think that I like both uh, Jordan Lee so this is a gender shifting, an Asian gender mm -hmm. shifting character, which I'm sure yep. we'll talk more about. And okay. I, I loved uh, Kate Dunlop, who is the, mm. the one who can kind of do mind control. And I'm, I'm thinking about, I love the way that these people are navigating identity and all. And I think this is strong writing. But I, I loved the, the moment where they're at this party and um, Marie... Uh, who is kind of the main character, right, of the of the show? Yeah. How she gets so tired of just being used, and she gets tired of being um, just uh, kind of uh, the expectations of of other people. That she just blurts out that she killed her family, and mm. then uh, the scene where Kate talks about how she she grabbed her brother's arm and tells uh, in a just when she's angry with him when they're both small children that he ought to go get lost in the woods and never come back and he does yeah. and uh that moment i think was my favorite mm. moment of the three episodes because um just right there there was there was this realization of like how awful it might actually be to have these kinds of powers right. and yeah. how careless we can be uh, as as human beings, so I I I really liked all. Of, I think Emma Meyer was my my favorite, but I also yeah. liked I, I liked I liked Kate and Jordan too. I thought they were really strong supporting characters, strong female characters who who add add just a, a lot to. I to completely agree. I also have a suspicion yeah. that we're, yeah. that we're going to end up feeling similar about Ben. We've only sort of mm. been introduced to Ben. But there's something compelling about his character already, about what he's been through, about his powers, and about uh, what looks like struggle with with some uh, mental issues and how they play out in it. Um, so yeah, I, yeah. I think it's going to be really, really interesting to watch him develop as well. Yeah, yeah. Ben or Sam? Sam, the, Sam, the brother? Sorry. Yeah, the, br the brother. Sam. Yeah, the younger brother of uh, the Golden. Yes. Now, Sam, Sam has some a very interesting idea that I feel like I need to ask you about while we're still in the geeking out section, Mark. <laughs> and uh, that's that, that Sam believes wholeheartedly that the best movie ever made was Waterworld. <laughs> is, he, is he right, Mark? <laughs> I, I got to say, I felt a little called out on that scene. <laughs> so he's there. Emma's trying to rescue him. And he doesn't believe that Emma's real because he has all these lucid dreams and stuff. And he's like, you've got to prove that you're real. So he asks her, uh, what's my favorite movie? And she goes, well, I don't know. You're, you're a white guy. So Godfather, Star Wars, or, or Shawshank. And I was like, 
Wow. Uh, yeah, Godfather. Yes. Godfather. <laughs> yes. Star Wars and Shawshank. Yeah, those are yeah. my top ten for sure. Uh, and yeah, absolutely not. Waterworld is one of the few movies <laughs> in my life that I left before the movie was over. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think he's a little personally. I think he's a little off base here. But of course, yeah. you like Waterworld. So tell me what you thought worked about Waterworld, the best movie, the most <laughs> underrated movie that has ever been made. Kevin Costner, can you please come back and make a sequel? No, it's awful. I can't. I couldn't even watch it. Um, <laughs> see, uh, a sci-fi fantasy movie. There are there are rare sci-fi fantasy movies that we're not going to get behind, but we're not going to get behind uh, no. Waterworld mm -mm. today. No. Okay, so I told you about my favorite scene, Mark, in these mm. three episodes. Did you have a standout scene? A standout scene. I didn't think about that. Um, you know, there, there was something really heartwarming about right after Golden Boy Luke uh, kills the head of uh, the superhero side of, uh, yeah. or the crime fighting side of, of God You, uh, and he comes out in the hallway and he gets confronted um, by Jordan Lee. And then he runs out, and and there's Andre, who's his best friend and closest person mm -hmm. in his life, really. And you can see in Luke's eyes that he he is lost. He's scared. He's worried. He's yeah. mad. And he's trying to sort things out. And he and, and Andre make like a, a connection. They look at each other, mm -hmm. and then they have this full embrace of him saying, "You know, I love you. Like you're going yeah. to be okay." Trying. And there was this moment where I was just like. We, we need more of that in the world, where instead of uh, using that energy against the person and throwing it back at them, of, of bringing it down and looking them in the eye and seeing past all of those um, emotional things that are happening because of the situation and seeing the person for who they are and really connecting and engaging with them. I mean, it, it, it ultimately didn't calm them down enough. But I love yeah. that they showed that that intimate moment, that important moment between two friends in the midst of all the chaos that was happening. You know, there were a lot of scenes kind of where there were there were I love you's. There were yeah. expressions of important. genuine feeling for one another that kind of surprised me. I mean, yeah. I think that's another way that like maybe toxic masculinity and um, and some expectations of patriarchal kind of things are uh, subverted by the show yeah. in a way that it's very normalized. I love you, man. Tell, tell Kate, I love her too. Uh, it's, yeah. uh, it's very powerful. Uh, there are a lot of other things I want to talk about. Uh, but Mark, we've got yes. to transition. We've got to talk Absolutely. about theology and politics because this is rich with theology oh. and politics too. Absolutely. So why don't we take a quick break <laughs> and have another drink, come back after this little break and talk about Theo political aspects of the show. Welcome back to the Moonshine Jesus Show. Uh, you're joining us for our Theo Politico segment. And <clears throat> I'm probably going to do, this is probably going to be a little unexpected, Caleb. I'm not going okay. to leap right now into the kind of obvious uh, 
issues, the young adult issues that each character mm -hmm. seems to be dealing with. I'm going to right. ask a slightly larger questions first, and th then we'll see what we can get to in those parts. Okay. So I, I think that one of the key themes in Gen V is how parents and loved ones and corporations have exploited kids from early ages mm -hmm. and have caused quite a large, lot of psychological struggles. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm curious, do you see that kind of behavior in the world today? And uh, what can we be doing, if so, to change it and address it? Yeah, so I I think corporations exploit us at every chance that they get, you know, and um, I, I, we see this right down to uh, corporations acting as if they were individuals and the government treating corporations as if they were individuals and not these these huge uh, mega organizations. And they're they're not interested in individual well-being. And so I think that's one of the things that's so compelling about this is that it's not hard to imagine that if if such technology existed, that there would be a corporation that would exploit it, you know, Absolutely. just like um, there are there are all kinds of uh, vaccines and medicines that people should have access to readily. There are people dying all over the world from things that we have cures for that are yeah, easy absolutely. cures, but but they don't have access to them because corporations want to want to milk all the money they can so absolutely this happens all the time that part of the show is 100 percent believable I, I yeah i think we also find parents who who want to exploit their kids too and mm -hmm. i think what one of the ways that we see that happening most clearly is through different types of social media at the moment mm -hmm. as uh we've seen this you know over the years through various types of media but i think we see uh, people who are trying to monetize their kids and uh, and live off yeah. their kids. And it's not, you know, shooting a drug in their system that may give them unwieldy superpowers, right. but it is taking their lives out of their hands. It is often without their own consent, uh, yeah. broadcasting their life for everybody to see. And so, yeah, absolutely. I think we see examples of this kind of thing happening all the time uh people absolutely. and children in particular are being exploited what are some ways do you see that yeah. as well well absolutely i think uh, yeah. you know corporations it's just really clear corporations don't care about anything yeah. but their bottom line just like you were pointing mm -hmm. out with the medicines uh I, I don't care how many people are helping or not helping i'll use that for publicity uh which is what we see a lot mm -hmm. in these shows of showing how they are figuring out how to use sem semi-reality to try to make them look better in the public eye uh, so it's not surprising corporations do it. And we do have a lot of work to do to try to prevent them from hurting kids over it. But uh, it's frightening how much it happens with parents, actually. And, and I think of uh, parents who push their kids into sports, uh, uh, mm -hmm. uh, pageant moms, um, mm -hmm. and even folks about grades and, and their expectations and, and mm -hmm. pushing their kids. I had a, a, a friend who uh, committed suicide because of the expectations of his parents and the grades we'd make made his first B in college and wow and, and could not handle it. And so yeah. I, I think that we have a lot of work to do, uh, both in um, helping educate parents uh, of, of the, the damage. They A lot of times they believe they're doing the best for the kid because they're pushing mm -hmm. them to, to, to be successful in a way that they're going to have a great life. And they're not realizing that a lot of the pushing and and being disappointed when they don't achieve the, the benchmarks that the parents have set that it can be psychologically damaging and no matter how successful mm -hmm. they are they might struggle the rest of their lives 
from now on. And we've seen that play it out publicly and in, in, in even recently in, in a lot of different ways that I, I'm not going to name yeah. stars, but we've seen it. Uh, yes. In, in very sad ways, even very recently. So um, I, I think it's a big issue. I love that they're dealing with it in this, uh, in, in, in this offshoot of the boys, because it is, it's kind of the hidden, I think the, the hidden issue, young adult issue, the rest of the ones that we'll get to after one more question are a little in your face. They're a little bit yeah. direct, right? We're not, we're mm. going to make sure you can't miss this. That's yeah. one that I felt like is a little bit of a background that needed to be called out and talked about a little bit. Uh, it's also hard though, to ignore Gen V's commentary about, well, we started to talk about it sort of a little bit already, uh, capitalistic systems that value popularity and nationalism, nostalgia, mm -hmm heavily over anything else is 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 that where we are or are going as a nation like where are we it's obvious it's part of what's going on how far in on that are we at this point uh, what do we need to be doing about it and are there any chances that the show is going to lend some insight into it yeah so uh, yeah i mean uh, obviously the uh, the exploitation uh, of people o over money is in part what capitalism is about um and right. i think that we are at a stage where we have kind of rampant capitalism at the expense of human beings right. and um and I'll, I'll just go back to to this again i i think one of the ways we see that is through technology companies that are um that are you know exploiting personal information for uh, for money, and we see uh, no real control over that, um, right. and uh, you know a real lack of accountability because we all depend on this as a part of our lives. You know right. we it's we're enmeshed in this all around. I mean our our jobs are a part of this, our social lives are a part of this. We don't really have uh, much much choice, and and we yeah. want the good parts of it. But, but we don't want the bad parts of it, right? We don't want the, the, the stealing of our information, the selling of our information, and, and all of these kinds of things. And so we, we don't see companies being held accountable. We don't see the government really stepping in. And a large part of that has to do with money. And so, yeah, I think that we are at a stage of kind of uncontrolled capitalism where mm -hmm. it is really detrimental to society in a whole lot of ways. I named one, but there are all kinds of other ways that kind of rampant capitalism that is uncontrolled is bad for us. Um, what do you think, Mark? Do you have thoughts no, on I, that? I, agree, I would agree with you. I think re regulated capitalism is very different from what we have now. Regulated capitalism mm -hmm. has some chance of being not as horrific as capitalism is. And, and we don't have that. We did, but we see the more conservative branches of our, yeah. our government slowly peeling away those layers of having it regulated. Yeah. Um, but I also think it's interesting that it's the, the issues like popularity and nationalism and nostalgia that are getting played up so heavily, particularly in political world, because those are such controllable things of like pushing numbers towards popularity, playing it, finding the coverage that gets your face seen more, mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. defining what not being a, a, a real nationalist looks like and, and pushing who that is. I, they're very controllable things that they've made, been able to make more important than um, just basic morals and what matters in the world and the good of all folks over 
mm. the good of a, a limited amount of people. Uh, so I, I think that we are at a tipping point as a nation. I, I think we we are we've got two sides. One side that thinks that all of that stuff is actually great, that uh, paying attention to popularity, paying attention to how uh, of a nationalist you are, that you play the party line, yeah. how uh, uh, of this reimagine nostalgia of what it used to be like and how wonderful it used to be, mm-hmm. although it used to be horrific and more oh. and more. And so so many people were. That's not right. 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 Um, <laughs> I think we're at a tipping point. We have a nation that's divided right on this very line. Um, hmm. And and it's up to us to out there encounter the information, to to do parts of education that help people understand it. Um, I don't know if there's any chance that the show's going to give us a real answer to mm. this. As a matter of fact, yeah. I think that the tension of this is part of what makes the show work and they'd be foolish mm. to, to destroy it. All right, we, mm. we're getting close to the end of the segment. So I want to move yeah. on to uh, something you and I both have been alluding to, and that is the number of different uh, young adult issues that are brought mm-hmm. up uh, in this. I'm going to first name them and then ask you a question or two about it. So the ones that I picked up on immediately were purging, and probably I'm thinking in the future binging. Um, I think that we're going to see Emma grow tall by overeating mm-hmm. as well. Right. Uh, uh, cutting by Marie, gender identity, mm-hmm. trans issues with Jordan Lee, uh, uh, being an influencer, uh, telling people what to do at a personal cost, which we see Kate does. Mm-hmm. Um, Parental expectations, we get both with Andre and Jordan Lee, who are trying to shape and form who their kids could be, should be. And then, of course, suicide with Luke. Yeah. Um, so, so these are really essential issues. How do you yes. think that they are handling them? Uh, and are there any of them that are a little bit too on the nose and maybe isn't getting the play that it should just because it's just so in your face and, and uh, not so subtle? Yeah, I I think it's a little hard to say so far, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and and as you just mentioned, Mark, that's like a lot of issues to put in a show uh, to episodes. begin with. <laughs> but yeah, but it, within three episodes, that's <laughs> a lot. I mean, yeah. I I think we got uh, a lot of a lot of the cutting and the purging stuff. Um, and so I I I don't know, uh, you know how how they're gonna handle that. Um, and and how how helpful it's going to be, but it's all a, a lot of it is centered around self harm, um, yeah. you know. And so um, I I think it'll be interesting to see how they they explore it. No, nothing felt to me to be too on the nose for them to make commentary about it. Um, but uh, but like I said, we're only three episodes in, too. I might feel right. differently in two more episodes <laughs> if, Easily, if yeah. something's been hit too hard. Yeah. How about you? Do, were there things uh, that you felt I, like I, were maybe a little too much? I, not really too much on the nose, but I am getting concerned about the particularly yeah. the ones that are self-harm because mm-hmm. they've tied the self-harm to their super ability. Mm-hmm. And so I, I don't know how they're going to show the folks uh, start addressing it in a healthy way um, mm-hmm. because that's one of the things that would be uh, make this important is if the folks that are having to do self-harm um, yeah. figure out that they don't want to be doing that and go through the journey of you know admitting mm-hmm. that this is an issue and, and overcoming it in some form or another. I, I'm going to be very curious how those are the and happen to be the ones that are the most on the nose too. Like the moment you see them, you go, oh, I see what you're doing here. This is a metaphor for X. Um, yeah, the ones that are the most obvious, I'm having a hard time of understanding how they're going to walk us into a healthy 
a conclusion of it, or at mm-hmm. least a healthy mm-hmm. point where they're managing it in, in a reasonable way. So I, I'm a little concerned about that. I love that they're bringing it up. I love that a TV show that's going to be as successful as yeah. this one already is being, is dealing with it. Uh, I, I mm-hmm. do love the way they're handling the gender identity, particularly uh, with Jordan Lee and his dad, or, or their yeah. dad, and the, and the that interchange. And, and, and I, I think mm-hmm. that we'll get to mm-hmm. see a progression of dad being okay and finally understanding. Yeah. Um, and so that I think I think it's a balance. It's going to be interesting for me to see how they end up playing each of these issues out, and if they end in a place that's helpful or one that's almost uh, hopeless. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point, especially the tying into their superpowers. And if they want to use their superpowers, but it's also tied into some kind of self harm, is that yeah. something that that can be resolved, or is right. it giving up a power? Yeah, yeah, it'll be yeah. interesting. Yeah. Well, we could geek out. I mean, we could do more and more geeking out. We could do more and more talking about Politico, uh, uh, um, theo- theological stuff, but we are running out of time. And the one thing we don't want to miss out on is our favorite segment, the Make Me Look Stupid segment, one of which you've already stolen a question from. I'm just glad to make yes. it here and still have two left. So no matter what you ask me, I'll still have a question left. So uh, we encourage everybody to uh, top your drink off and uh, stick with us and join us on the other side of this drop for our Make Me Look Stupid segment. Welcome back to the Moonshine Jesus Show. We are entering our final segment, the Make Me Look Stupid segment. So thank you for hanging around as we attempt to either make our co-hosts look stupid or just ask them something that we have been wondering about. And so, Mark, one of the things at the very beginning of the series that Mm -hmm. struck me as as funny because it's kind of a commentary on where we've been at as a society is we see uh, a train getting named to the seven this is yeah. like a retrospective thing right and so you know where i'm going to go with this they they say, <laughs> they say right away uh thank god that that a train is here this is further proof of what we've been saying that we now live in a post-racism <laughs> society uh, because yeah. A-Train is now a part of, there's one person of color in the seven. And so obviously, Mark, this is ridiculous, right? <laughs> and and it's also something that like has been in our society. We don't live in a post-racism society, right? Yeah. But, but I still hear this, even with like mm. progressive uh, circles where people are like, well, you know, uh, the Trump thing was bad. Uh, right. And, and all, but but generally, we, we've yeah. kind of overcome racism, and, and we know that's not true. So how do we combat that narrative? How do we, right. how do we uh, help folks realize that actually, uh, no, we're living in a super racist society in all kinds of ways, and all of us have racism within us. Is there a way to combat that well, I, narrative it, it's 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 the uh the answer i always come back to yeah. is education um mm-hmm. at, at, we've got to be better at getting the facts and the reality out there um the the 
the reality of the striation of our economic system and how race plays a very large role in understanding where someone's going to fall in that hierarchy of our economic system. Uh, and and there, I, we could name a lot of things where it's really clear that racism is pervasive and is still in existence. Um, and it is, it's mean and cruel to suggest that we're in a post-racism society. If you understand even some of the basic facts of how, how people of color are still having uh, society step on them and push them through the margins and minimize them in so many ways, it is cruel and mean to even suggest. It also, I mean, in some points it is maybe an issue of just uh, ignorance yeah. But at this point, there's enough information out there, even just walking around, if you're paying attention, it's almost going to have to be a willful, willful ignorance. Um, and so for me, that the statement alone is, is just, it's cruel, it's aggressive, it's mean, and further shows that we are not in a post-racist <laughs> society. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a, a great point. And uh, the the fact that the narrative still exists is so mm -hmm. problematic. But I, Mark, I grew up in rural Missouri in a town that when I was a, a kid was almost 100% all white. And we yeah. had the narrative there that it was like a post-racist kind of society, of but course. it wasn't. Yeah. The, the The town was a sun, had been a sundown town and drove oh, wow. all people of color out in the in the early part of the 20th century, mm -hmm. and so um, and so like that narrative existed even though it was a super racist place. And I think a lot of times white folks in particular use that narrative to make themselves feel better about their own racism and the ways that white people have benefited from that racism. And so I agree. I think it's I think it's both education and exposure, you know, Absolutely. and exposure to recognize that, um, oh, crap, I, I've got some like embedded racism within me Absolutely. that like that I need to come to terms. We with. all have to. Yeah, we all have to recognize right. uh, particularly. I mean, white folks just have to understand that they grew up in a yeah. world where you were blinded to your racism and that yes. one of the ways we heal the rural world and not us white people just all people in general we get towards it is by helping folks who did grow up blinded to it to begin to recognize their internalized racism and to begin doing the work to get through it as much as they can and trying to uh, act in a world where you recognize where your actions are living out of that internal racism and trying to change that behavior and there's nothing wrong with like saying, uh, I've come a long way and I right. still have things to learn. And, and, like, and like, I thought I was further along than I am. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. that's okay. Or man, I screwed that up because I didn't know as much then as I know after screwing it up. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, and being honest and vulnerable and stuff, I, I think is important. So thank you, Mark. I, I appreciate helping. No, I agree with that. you too, man. Yeah. I think that's a, a, a very important. So um, my question to you yes. is about what looks like it will be the, the, the storyline that keeps the story going through this season. Mm -hmm. Sam is in what they call the woods. Mm -hmm. where we've seen just quick little shots of some type of experimentation going on. 
Um, and and at least 13, I think, because there was a screenshot of the folks that were in there, and there were 12 or 13 mm -hmm. names that were listed there. So there's mm -hmm. kids with superpowers that are there being something, tested on whatever, and they're calling it the woods. What do you think they are doing in the woods? I think it has something to do with... Um with the effect or with the impact of the, the drug be uh, on, on mental health, on, on people's mm -hmm. mental stability. And so mm -hmm. I think that, the, that while they're down there, they are looking at what impact it's having on, on mental stability and then maybe how they can control, uh, control the soups a little bit more. Yeah. So that's, that's my guess on what's, what's happening. What do you think's happening down there? Uh, I think, <laughs> that they are trying to perfect V24 or temp V, which we see in the boys where it gives uh, regular humans superpowers. Uh, but right now it doesn't really work. It only works for 24 hours and it has yeah. a, the more you use it, the more it kind of tears your body down. I think that they're doing testing to try to figure out how to change that. Two reasons they can make a lot of money off it if they do perfect it. And two, if we can create our own superheroes, we don't have to worry about the soups taking over. Um, that we can we can combat them with armies of soups if we have to. So I, I, I I'm not I'm not planting my flag in that one yet, but I think that <laughs> I think that that might be the direction is going in there. So we'll have to come back and revisit this and, and see how we did at predicting it. Um, Absolutely. This, uh, that, that ought to be fun. It's always fun. I think there's eight episodes this season, so we can come back after the eight, eighth episode. Yes. And you're and really good, Mark, at making us make predictions. <laughs> <laughs> good to see if, uh, if any wild guesses come true. Happen to land. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And some, sometimes they do. Sometimes mm -hmm. they do not. Absolutely. <laughs> so, Absolutely. Uh, but, but we're not going to be ready to revisit this next week. Uh, no. So do you have any ideas for what we might talk oh, about? Oh, I, I do, I do. I'm so excited yeah. about this one, actually. So uh, I feel like uh, when we go back to the MCU, there's so much that's being set up. This is my, my take. There's so mm -hmm. much that's being set up and is hinging on uh, the storyline in the original Loki season one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we are about, we are in just a couple of days from now, we're getting yeah. the drop of the first episode of Loki season two. I, I, I feel like it would be fun, just like you just talked about, to watch the first one and try to like process it, but also start saying, okay, what are they going to do with season two? Where are we going to go with this? I love it. Okay, Loki next week. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm excited about this. I've been waiting for Loki to drop. I can't wait to watch it and to, to talk about it with you next week. Okay, absolutely. next week, everybody watch the first episode of Loki on Disney+. Yes. Plus. That ought to be easy. Just one episode, so we yeah. won't have to spoil it for you. Thanks for joining us today, and we'll see you next time on The Moonshine Jesus Show. Moonshine Jesus.